Hey, how are y'all doing tonight? All right, one more time. One more time. You're almost through your semester, so how are y'all really doing tonight? It's the Christmas season. Can we can we sit down tonight? Is that okay? Y'all can sit if we can sit. Does that work? Okay. Hey, um, a little different tonight. We're gonna. Uh, I figured that you guys probably wouldn't want to listen to me preach on women's design. So we have some awesome guests here that I want to introduce to you. So many of you know Miss Anne-Marie. Y'all give it up for Anne-Marie. So Anne-Marie, she serves as our girls director for um, college ministry, which many of you ladies know her. Um, Basically, she is a resource for you. So if you have uh, not had a chance to meet her and you have been in Christ Place College for some time, you need to get to know her. Um, she is at, many of you go to North Campus, she's at North Campus like every other week, so uh, definitely grab her tonight, or if you see her on a Sunday, snag her, and she would love to take you to lunch or coffee, it's like what she does best, right? So um, that is Anne-Marie, and then we have another very special guest, this is Miss Melissa Britton, will y'all give it up for Miss Melissa? So Miss Melissa is uh, the wife of Pastor Rob, that is his better half. Uh, many of you know Pastor Rob. If you go to our North Campus or Central Campus, he is uh, he leads us in worship on a consistent basis at both of those campuses. And um, Mac was right in saying that these are two of the smartest ladies that we know. And so, uh, again, I don't think you guys would have wanted to hear me preach on women's design. So tonight's going to be a little bit different. Um, basically, what we're going to do is uh, we're just going to kind of have a conversation. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of, uh, of what God's design for women is. And as we have said every week so far, in this series, you know, we're talking about a lot of things that can be polarizing, I think is probably a good way to put that. And uh, in, in this polarizing topic, what we want to communicate to you first and foremost before we start any of these conversations uh, is that when we talk we're going to sound really one-sided uh, in a polarizing issue, and we are really one-sided. And the reason that we're really one-sided is because uh, this is the side that we're going to go with, because we believe that God's Word uh, is the truth that gives us direction for our lives, that it is not up to our feelings, our opinions, and so everything that we say tonight is going to come from this book. So, Starting there, we already talked about week one, how God is the designer and the definer. We're going to jump into tonight, woman's design. Does that sound good for you guys? Okay, sounds good. All right. So um, as Mac mentioned earlier, we gave you guys a challenge week one. For the guys, your challenge, or week two, uh, your challenge was whatever you hear, we want you to choose something and take a step. And uh, ladies, that's your challenge for tonight. You know, we're talking about God's design for women. We want you uh, to choose something and take a step over the course of these next few weeks. But guys, you don't get the night off. Uh, this is, uh, we have a challenge for you too, and that challenge is one, use the things that we're going to be talking about uh, tonight as uh, kind of your, uh, maybe your checklist for what you should be looking for in a godly woman. Like if the lady that you're pursuing does not line up with the things that we're going to be talking about tonight, you either press the pause button or you go search somewhere else. Uh, And also our challenge to you tonight is to choose a a handful of girls in your circles that you run with, that, uh, that you see on a consistent basis, and commit to praying for them. 
we're all in this thing together figuring out uh, each and every day how to be more like Jesus. And uh, if you're praying for your friends, uh, I see no better way to help them move forward in their relationship with Christ. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Basically what, uh, what I'm going to do tonight is we're just going to have a conversation kind of um, as I told you, which is why we're just kind of sitting down more laid back. Um, so where we're going to start tonight, I want to ask you guys this. Um, what does, uh, talk about how this is a polarizing issue. When we, when the world, when culture today, society today, when they talk about women, women's role in society, like what is a women's role according to the world, according to culture? What, what would you guys say to that? Um, so the world has to say, I think there's a lot of voices. Um, I think Logan talked about like there's polarizing. So there's definitely two different extremes. Um, and then I think there's a middle ground too. Um, so I think that some people would say that, you know, women are inferior, you know, they belong at the bottom of the totem pole, things like that. And then I definitely think that, especially nowadays, there's kind of a, like women and men are the same. Like there's no distinction between men and women. So I think we definitely have that nowadays. And then we also have, you know, more of the feminism movement of, you know, women are superior, they're better than men, and they kind of reign above. Discuss this. We talked about. I feel like women either we either consider ourselves better than men. We know better. We can do it better. Are equal or we're inferior, and that's we need to find out what God says about that. And I feel like we either fall in one of those three categories pretty much all the time. Either we're better than, we're equal than, or we're less than. Yeah. Between those three. Absolutely. It's like so many, so many things in in culture where like we have deviated from what Scripture says. I feel like this topic is interesting because the world in, in a lot of topics uh, will, it's like one message. But when it comes to women, like you could talk to 10 people and hear 10 different answers. Uh, there are so many different paths. But uh, it, this is something that is interesting to think about. Like when, when do you feel like we deviated? Like when do you feel like we got off, like as a society and a culture, when did we get off course from what God's word says about women and, and their design and their role? Like when, when did we diverge from from the path that God had intended when Eve I mean in the garden the fall um was the first time when Eve decided that she knew better than Adam and she was tempted and so she started to disbelieve God because in the in the garden there were all the trees and God said you can eat of any of them but there's one you can't and then Satan came in and said did God really say that he made Eve question God which is the same thing he does today. Did God really say that? Does he really want the best for you? And it's yes, but she chose to believe Satan and disbelieve, distrust God. And what is always interesting to me is Satan went to Eve, not Adam, um, if, because I feel like he knew that he could emotionally pull her and persuade her more, more easily than he could Adam. Yeah, it's it, so what I guess I hear you saying, like, it's not a new thing, no. which is interesting because, you know, yeah, you would think that like, there's so many, we talk about like hot topics today and this would fall into that hot topic category, but it's one of those things that like, it's not new. It's been around. It's always been a problem and it started in the garden. That's, that's interesting. And you know what we skipped over too, what, where Eve, where Eve even came from. I mean, Eve was created from Adam, Yeah. you know, for, to be, 
no, no, you're, that's, that's, that's great. You can, can you tell me not to skip, right. then I'll maybe skip it. <laughs> I may jump a little bit. You're fine. You're fine. So, so when we say that that was where we got off, let's just, I mean, at the, at the beginning, let's identify the truth. Where, like, what was it, according to scripture, that women were created for? Like, what is God, we talk about God's design for women, what is God's design for women, according to God's word? Um, so we're going to start in the garden again. Um, so before, you know, the fall, before, you know, Satan came to Eve and said, okay, did God really say this? Like, you know, um, it was just Adam in the garden, and, you know, that wasn't enough for, you know, for God. He said, you know, I'm going to make a sleep come upon him, and I'm going to read from Scripture. Um, he said, it is not good, Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Um, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man and see what he would call them. Um, and so I think we see here, literally in scripture, it says that woman was created to be a helper to man um, and that was fit for him. So, and I think it's interesting. Somebody said one time, you know, he didn't create him from the head so she would be higher. You know, he didn't create him from her, his foot so that he would be lower, but he created him from his side so that he would be alongside of and, that's and come and help and serve. That's just so good, Ann. That's, that's what else? What do you think? But, and listen, though, even that, even just reading that is so exciting because e everything else was created from the dust of the earth. Adam was created from the dust of the earth. He brought every animal, every created thing in front of Adam and said, name it. And then he said, wait a minute, Adam needs to help me. So I'm going to make Eve, make him a woman out of his rib. I mean, stop and think about it. That's unbelievably cool. We are the created. We are the created. He is the creator. He determines what he does with his creation. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah, and it's like if you, when you miss that, when, when, when you look past that truth is where you get on the, on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. That's, if, if that truth is not foundational, then what we talk about from here on out, it will not, will not resonate. It, it, it won't matter to you if that's not, if that's not where we start. Um, so a helper uh, to come alongside of, to, to serve. I hear those words, helper, um, serve, and they almost like, in today's society, they have like a, a negative connotation. Like, like it almost sounds like it's a, a less, lesser than a, a negative thing. Uh, talk about that. Like how, how, do we, how do we take that word that, I mean, it's, it just sounds weird. How do we, how do we remedy that? Where, where, do, where do we land? Um, I think it's good also to go back to the first point. You know, those words sound negative because of, again, the garden and Satan saying, like, okay, did God actually say? You know, did God actually say that that's a good thing for you to do? That doesn't sound like a good for, thing for you to do. And I feel like that's what a lot of, and even in my own life, like, struggling with that, like, that doesn't sound fun. It sounds fun to be, like, in the lead and, like, above, man. You know, it sounds fun to be, like, ahead of everything, but... That's totally Satan's lie, you know, creeping into, and I think that's where it starts, is that Satan has lied to a lot of women saying, you know, did God actually say that? Like, I think that he said that you can do anything that a man could do, or, you know, you can do this, but um, I think it's important even, I mean, we're going to talk about what it doesn't mean, we're going to talk about what it does mean, but I think that basis of, like, 
you know, Satan lies to you. And so even the fact that those terms sound negative, like Logan said, I think is a total lie from the enemy. Like those are, you know, like Melissa said, they're beautiful things when we see God, the good creator, you know, that he ordered that, you know. And I think with women especially, and I speak from experience, it, he, Satan likes to bring in discontentment and just kind of like, do you, do you really want to be under him? Do you really want to submit to what he says and follow his way? And, and when you get in God's word enough and, you, and feed the spirit constantly, you will begin to discern quickly, that's Satan's voice whispering in my ear. That's not God's voice whispering in my ear. And you know, okay, I need to stop. This is, you know, I'm not submitting. I'm, I'm bucking this. Mm-hmm. And you're bucking God's way um, when you do that. Mm-hmm. And it's never going to be fulfilled. But when you're not in God's word, then you know. Then you don't. You can't distinguish. No. Like I, that's such a common question. Um, I, like that I hear from college students all the time. It's like I'm trying to figure out God's will for my life. How do I know if it's Satan's voice? How do I know if it's God's voice? It's like if you're in God's words, you know God's voice. That's the only way you. Will. Yeah, that's right. You cannot get it. And and this is wonderful. Our everything our church does is wonderful. But if you're not getting daily time in God's word, you will not get it. Yeah. It will not get into you. Um, this is what I often think about. I have two great nieces and great nephews, and every time I go to Kentucky, I play Play-Doh with them, and I thoroughly enjoy it. But you know, when you push a Play-Doh through the thing, it just totally molds to that. That's what the world's doing to us, day in and day out. Whether We don't have to do anything to make that happen. We are being molded by the world, but we have to fight to be molded like Christ. It is on us to be molded like Christ. That depends on our time spent with him. And we can be as much like him as we choose to be if you spend the time with him. Yeah, Yeah, um, again, I'm kind of coming back to that first question. Um, You know, those words helper or serving or even that word submit, that's like a a cuss word for women, you know, nowadays. Because it's like, don't say that. Like, we don't submit. Um, And I do want to talk a little bit about, like, what it doesn't mean um, first before we really kind of go into what – it does mean, and these are things that I've kind of seen in our culture today. Um, I was listening to a podcast on this, and it was talking about, you know, there's those two extremes we talked about, and there's a lot of people who, you know, they're in the extreme of that women, women like, have no rights. You know, they're to, you know, be silent, and that they're not really worth anything, you know, in some cultures. And then we have the opposite where, you know, women, they can do anything, which but um and so I feel like people are coming from one extreme to the other and they're coming to this other extreme saying like oh my gosh like I didn't even know women could do this like the basic things that women can totally do but I feel like there's this on the other extreme the people calling the Christians saying that women are these like wimpy doormats who can do nothing they get walked over they do things like that and that is definitely not what we mean by submission or to submit um And it also doesn't mean that women's role is of lesser value than men. You know, women, they have equal value than men. And I think we see that all throughout Scripture, too, um, the way that Jesus valued women. Um, Some examples that I put up here, I mean, we have Esther, and she was a very strong woman. I mean, she stood before a king on behalf of her people and, you know, and fought to save them. We have Ruth, you know, who who left a pagan nation to follow her mother-in-law into a land of people who followed Jesus, and, you know, she worked, and she did great things, um, and although, you know, this isn't uh, an actual, like, woman, but an example of one, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, 
who, you know, she was, she was a go-getter. Like, I mean, she did so many things. You're like, how in the world did you do that all in one day? Or how, you know, how did you have time? But so I look at those examples of women in scripture who God designed and who lived out their design and they weren't wimpy doormats, you know, they're, they were of great value. And so that's just one thing that I want you guys to understand. We don't mean when we talk about these things that, you know, women have no value. I think women have great value, but God's created that value and he's created that purpose for us to live out. And so if we're living any less than what God has designed us to do, I mean, we're living for a lesser, you know, no matter how great the world says it is, we're not living our true purpose. And I think that's, you know, where the greatness comes is in his design. And, you know, just thinking about this, talking about it, when we struggle with submission, which I'm telling you, I know, I'm, I get struggling with submission. I'm an OCD, strong personality, so I get struggling with submission. But if we just think about what Jesus did before he left his 12 disciples, he washed their feet. God, incarnate, washed his disciples' feet. Then we really, we really can't argue against servants serving and submission because Jesus modeled it day yeah. in and day out. Yeah. Um, God, our creator, <laughs> in you know, human form, modeled it for us. Where, like, where do we even get that word? We, you know, it's a it's a word that like when we think of the concept of godly woman, we throw that word around a lot. But where does it come from? Like where we the Bible. Get, okay, where Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians. Okay. Really, I mean, yeah, women are talked about all through the Bible. I mean, we're in Genesis where we're created, why we're created. Then we talked about Proverbs thirty-one woman, which is dead in the center of the Bible. And then the New Testament talks about the woman's role. Ephesians talks about submission. For the children, for the man, for the women, we're all called to submit. Um, it's, it's not just the women are to submit to the men. We're all called to submit. Um, it's, it's part of the godly lifestyle. It's what we have to do. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that that's where this, this is a, almost a problem of Scripture being taken out of context, mm-hmm. like the negative connotation that comes along with the idea of submission. Uh, because if you read Ephesians 5, which is, which is where this even came from, this concept of submitting, um, the, where the line where the verse where it says that women should submit to their husband is literally in a list of all these different people or roles, men, slaves, like all these different roles where Paul is writing to the Ephesians and say, you should submit. You should submit. You should submit. And wives submit to your husbands was just one of those things in that list. One of them. One of them. Yes. And and so I think it has a negative connotation, almost because it's been taken out of context. We miss the fact that there should, there's not a single person in this room who should not be ultimately submitting first and foremost to God, but should be submitting uh, it to to someone, yeah. right? And to one another in love. Right. God yeah. tells yeah. us in His Word, submit to one another in love. Esteem your brother higher than you, which means put yourself down. Put yeah. yourself down. Put yourself down. Yeah. I mean, we are either, I think, uh, probably men too, I know women, we are either thinking too highly of ourselves or too lowly of ourselves. Either way, we're always thinking about ourselves. Um, that's not the way it's supposed to be. God others you. God yeah. others you. And I'm telling you, if we get that right, if we, me, we're doing the right thing. Yeah. It's, it's literally verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. So again, every single person in this room, they, we should be submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. And it is under that banner 
that Paul then writes, wives, submit to your own husbands. This is the very next verse. And I think we just pull it out of there and go, well, this is a, this is a Christian concept, and that doesn't sound very, that doesn't sound very good. And, and I think we miss it. You know, I think, it's, I think it's very, very out of context that we should all be submitting to one another. But let's talk about the whole, like, why. I mean, it, it is a command in Scripture, wives, submit to your husbands. What does that mean? Like, what, is it, what does it look like to submit to your husband? God created that for the wife's protection, ultimately. I mean, the husband will answer. The husband is responsible for that. And I think he, just as, just like my Rob is to submit to Christ and love me like, I mean, he also says, love, what well, husbands love your wives as Christ right. loved the church. Right. <laughs> That's a hard thing to do. Christ died yeah. for the church. He gave his life, a gruesome death. But, so he tells us that, and he tells us to submit, because you, if we can't submit, we will not have a saving relationship with um, it is not possible. The whole, I think our whole faith relationship is based on submission. Um, we are called to be a living sacrifice. He tells us to take up your cross and follow me. He is saying you are saved by grace through faith in me. But if you are to be my disciple, then you will follow me. That means submitting. That means doing what I say in my word. We, and we like to talk a lot about grace, and grace is a wonderful gift from God. But you can't talk about grace without talking about the obedience that is required because of the gift. Under the law, when you sinned, it was sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Under grace, we want to obey him because of what he did for us. I mean, he gave his life so we would have eternal life. So we need to know what's in his word, and yeah. we need to want to follow that. Yeah. Right. It's almost like when you understand that, uh, when you understand the great price that was paid for you, what choice then do you have? How could you not? What little How could you not what submit? submission yeah. is nothing. Right, right, exactly. Nothing. But, but I think that that translates over to the role of the husband, too. Because, for, so first of all, the, in Ephesians 5, Scripture does not say women submit to men. It says women should submit to your own husband. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It, it is not a command for women to submit to any men. It is a command for you one day to submit to your own husband. And that if, if, you, if your husband is fulfilling that role that we see in Ephesians, that call uh, of, of loving your wife like Christ loved the church, then if he is really fulfilling that call, then it's, I mean, it's the same thing. How could you, how could you not? Yeah. How, how could you not? It's your, he's modeling what it is that Jesus, what Jesus set out. I think it's honestly, and it's a gracious thing too, you know, when we submit and we die to ourselves because left to our own devices and left to ourselves, like, we're going to destroy our lives. You know, we don't, we don't know what's best. I mean, that's literally why Satan attacked Eve in the garden was to destroy her life and to set it on a path of destruction and death. You know, so it's, it's a grace. It's a gracious thing that God would say, hey, submit, you know, to my authority to, you know, because he knows best. He's our creator. And we do. We live in a sin-stained world where the world is you know, preaching something else that's for our destruction, but for Christ to come in and say, like, hey, submit, you know, submit to me is really a life of, like, freedom and understanding in life. Yeah, that's really, it's true freedom. Right. We think submitting to God's rules is, is not, it's what, suffocating, it's 
holding us back, but that, that is true freedom, um, being able to live under his guidelines and his rules. So, so what does that look like practically? Like what are some practical uh, ways that our young ladies can, can, can live that out? Even now, I mean, they don't have husbands, thanks to you. Uh, what are some practical ways to, to live that role out, that role of the, the helper, that role of the servant, that role that we read about in Scripture? And, and you, you need to address this more, but I think you can still live that out in every area, regardless of every area, I mean, whatever area you're in, regardless of whether you're married, whether you're single, um, whatever, there's always somebody to serve. I mean, God gives us so many opportunities. I can't even imagine how many opportunities that I just don't see that he places in front of me. Um, just to do the smallest of things. I mean, even watching you all here tonight, I loved how I saw so many people go and talk to um, people. Little things like that can make such a huge, huge impact on people. We, we, I think we downplay the small things we can do that make a big difference in people's lives. Um, so I think we, you, there's a million different ways you can serve each other and just be kind and helpful to others. And I think um, just... I'm going to go into Proverbs 31 too. Like Melissa said, I think just being different and, you know, serving others. Um, but in Proverbs 31, I mean, I feel like that's such the cliche, um, you know, woman thing. Um, but, I mean, you look at the world um, and you can start there just by saying, just being different, you know, look at the qualities, you know, of the women of the world and then, I go to Proverbs 31 just because it is an excellent example, but um, excellence, noble character, having good character, and, you know, your walk being the same, you know, behind doors as it is, you know, in front of other people, being different, um, working with willing hands, like Melissa's serving. Um, so this is all um, qualities that I'm reading off of the Proverbs 31. Um, uh, clothing herself with strength and dignity, and that's like such a, like she laughs about fear of the future, but really putting on those things and um, they're worthy of honor and respect, speaking wisdom. She teaches kindness. Um, she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. That's like she doesn't, she's not lazy. She's hardworking. Um, and ultimately, uh, in Proverbs 30, it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, really, just like diving deep into who God is as a single woman, you know, like we said, it's. The Bible loves to talk about wives submitting to their husbands and, you know, wives doing this. But even as a single woman, like, fearing the Lord, you know, growing in knowledge of him, you know, putting on those attributes of Christ, like, that's what we ultimately, you know, man and woman, we're created to be in relationship with God. And we're created to put on his likeness. And really, as a woman, that's, like, what you're going to, you know, your ultimate satisfaction is going to become come from knowing him and then living your life for him and living, you know, in reflection of that. But, yeah. And you all are at such a great young age to be able to, um, I did not fall into love and fall into love with God's word until much later, but if I could go back to your age, oh, man, I would dive into it, and I would spend so much time because you're at a great age, and man, let God mold you into who he wants you to be for your man or woman. Yeah. Um, start. That verse that you read in um, is Proverbs 3130. Um, charm is dece deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Um, you kind of talked about how it's like 
there are certain things that maybe it, it is a temptation to pursue those things that charm and and beauty but according to scripture proverbs 31 uh, here it says that the the ultimate pursuit of a godly woman the ultimate like the first and foremost the ultimate goal is to fear the lord I, I think that's really significant it goes completely against what we hear a lot about um in culture um i think when you it's really only when you understand this concept from a biblical perspective um, that that it really does make sense. I think so many women are against the idea of what God's word says about their role um, because they don't understand what it really means. Uh, one way that we see this play out, like the opposite of this verse today, um, is in this, um, like, the my body, my choice school of thought. That's something that we when talking about women and women's rights, you hear that, that tossed around a lot. Um, where, do we, where, where do we land? Like, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I don't think that you can talk about God's design for women in a culture like today and not bring that school of thought up. So, so what do we do with that? Our body is not our own. I mean, we talked about earlier, we, we were created by God. He gave us everything we have. God has given us to be stewards of and to be responsible for and to bring him glory. Um, and I think women especially struggle with the body image and the power that they can have over men with that. And they like to use that as such. Um, and that's not what God intends for us to use our, our bodies as. It, it's everything we have, everything he gives us is um, meant to bring glory to him and honor to him and to bring others to him. That's why having the qualities that you talked about are so important because when people meet us, that we should draw them in and they should want to know why we're different, why we're the salt and light, what's different about us, and want to know God through us and through our behavior, through our appearance. Um, and that, that's a struggle for women um, because they, they know the impact that it can have on them. Yeah, um, I'm going to read. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Um, and then also Romans 12, 1 says, the, the second half, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Um, you know, we've been giving these great vessels as tools, you know, and we can use those tools in two ways. We can use it to, um, you know, further his kingdom or we can use it to destroy, you know, you know, his work. And I feel like we as women, we don't understand really the power, you know, that we we do have and the I'm, damage it can do. Yeah, the damage it can do. Um, and the thing is, too, I think, yeah, um, and. Yeah, the damage we can do. And one of those things, obviously, sexual morality, but it says here, like, you're sinning against your own body, and that says the verse before, like, you know, this, again, like we talked about before, it's all destruction, destructive to you, you know, ultimately, and to other people, and, um, you know, it's it's a gift to, to be obedient to Christ. It's a gracious thing, you know, and again, I, I'm going to keep saying this, it's it's destructive to our own lives to um, to do anything else than what God has called us to do, and so that that 
thought or that theory of my body, my choice, you know, it sounds so freeing and it sounds so like, hey, I have ownership and I have power. But really what it does is just takes the power from us and, you know, degrades us. Well, it wasn't ours to begin with. I, I think about it. Um, I, I kind of think about it like this, like whenever when I was when I was growing up and you guys probably all experienced this, too, like. We live, you know, you live under your parents' roof, and um, I, I remember always I'm growing up, um, and I would refer to the things that they gave me, bought for me, uh, as mine, right? Like I would, um, I would call it my room, I would call it uh, my TV, my toys, my whatever, and um, it's it's, I, I mean, I was not, not like I was fooling anybody, right? Um, it, it's. It's interesting, though, because what my parents did, and what I'm sure all of yours did, too, uh, they let me. Like, they let me talk about, I, I, they were fine with me calling it my room. They were fine with me calling them my toys. They were fine with me calling it, you know, my, my whatever, as long as I treated it the way that they intended it to be treated. And the second that I started to use that thing that they provided to me in a way that they did not intend for it to be used, that's when all of a sudden my dad would come eye to eye with me and go, hey, you do realize that's all mine. And I feel like today that is, that is so where we are. Um, like God has given us these bodies uh, and he has let us go about saying that these are mine. We're not fooling anybody. And I think when we get to the place where, you know, as long as we understand that, that, that yeah, this is, this is all on loan from God. When we understand that and uh, when we live life that way, there's no problems. Until you start to use the thing that was paid for, the thing that was bought according to 1 Corinthians 6 at a price, when you start to use that thing in a way that it was not intended to be used, that's when we're going to have, have a problem. And that's when all of a sudden there needs to be a reminder of, hey, this thing, it's not yours to begin with. And, and so I think if we, when we get off there, you know, the, it, it's just a lie. It, it's a lie. It goes back, again, it goes back to the garden. Did God really say? And when we miss that truth, it leads to all kinds of dangerous things. And that's not just for women, that's for men too. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's a very, very important concept. So all these things that we're talking about, these, uh, these different things, these different qualities of a, of a godly woman, uh, you know, serving, helping, uh, fearing the Lord, over-chasing beauty and charm. Like, if I am sitting in the room and I'm not, and I'm not a believer, uh, I'm sitting in the room and I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm new to this whole thing, my response to that is probably going to be like, hey, that doesn't sound very enticing to me. Like, that does not sound enjoyable. All the things, like, I get it. You've shown it. You've shown it to me. It's in here. But, it, like, it seems like the other way is more fun. It seems like the other way is more enjoyable. So why would I go with the things in here? Like, why should I go with the message of, of God's word over the message of culture? Because, frankly, these people, you know, that parade around in the world, that, you know, they, they kind of look like they have it all together. Why would I go? Why would I go with them? Yeah, on our drive up here, I was thinking. Sometimes, which is often, when I get out of whack and I'm like, 
you know, just disgruntled about something that's happened in my life or I'm frustrated that God's not working things out, I go to Job. And I always go to Job where the story of Job where, man, he lost everything and God allowed it. Like Satan came to him and said, what if I take this? What if I take this? And I'm telling you, the man lost everything. He did not curse God. He would not turn turn from God. But he did start to question. And and at one point in Job, and, and I have it marked, but he's God says, "Now you sit down and let me let me ask you the questions. You know, is your arm as strong as mine? Did did you tell the sea where it could stop and where it could go? And I literally go and I read that whole chapter of Job, and it, it sets my heart straight and right for me to go. I'm not the one to question. I'm the creator. It's not my job to question the creator. And we have, this is where our faith comes in. We have to believe, Romans 8, 28, where it says that he is working all things out. It may not be pleasant. It may not feel right. We may not feel like we love the position. But if it, God has ordained it for us, then it is what we need to do. And he will use it. And I can honestly say from my years of life and all that I've been able to do, all that God's granted me to do, of everything I've done, the most fulfilling position I have ever had is being a helper um, to my husband and to my children and just using my home just to even have people in. It just humbles me to see the things that God has allowed me to take part of in people's life with just little things that meant nothing to me, but that he uses because we do it his way. I mean, never underestimate the power of obedience and how God can use it. Right, and I think, again, going back to the creation, um, I think you have to see. I do, I love the garden. (laughs) Big fan of the garden. Um, But I think, you know, you kind of have to take a step back and look bigger picture. You know, our lives, I mean, it talks about in James, like, our lives are a mist. It's a vapor, you know. We're not... We're here today, you know, and gone tomorrow. And so I think you have to take a step back and be like, okay, like, it doesn't sound enticing, but just ask, like, what is my purpose? You know, like, what is my purpose? What was I created for? And, again, when you go back to the garden, you know, God's design, like, I mean, he's our creator. If you believe that and you believe what scripture said, like, he's our creator. And then the serpent came. So he created us with a good design, and then the serpent came, you know, made us doubt. And that's where everything went off track there. But it's really cool, too. I mean, even in my own life, like, it doesn't end with sin destroying everything. Like, you know, the gospel redeems. And I think that, you know, that's kind of our buyback in there. And and if we're, you know, believers and we're living in light of eternity, like, we have to understand this world's not our home. Like, we're here today, gone tomorrow. And, you know, we're, we live with eternity and, you know, in our mind. But also here on earth, we have that the gospel redeems. And God's word, living according to God's word, brings us back to that garden, I think. And living according to his word brings us back to his design. And... And that's what he offers us here on earth. Like, we don't, I mean, obviously, eternity, we're not going to struggle with sin anymore. And we're not going to have to figure out, like, okay, what do I need to change in this? Like, it's going to be a perfect world with no more sin. But here on earth, like, we have that invitation here, too, is to live according to God's design and have that joy of living our design here on earth. And and to me, I mean, that that's the good, you know. And that's in John 10, 10, it says... Um, you know, 
the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. So Satan, when he came into the garden, like he didn't come trying to offer Eve like, hey, this fruit on this tree is so much better. Like, no, he offered it to her because he knew like it was going to still kill and destroy her life. But, you know, Jesus says, I, talking about himself, have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And so I think we have this total like, twisted mind here in this world that you know what the world has to offer and whatever they're throwing at us that hey that's the life like that's what we want it's like like what you just said i don't mean to interrupt but it's so interesting like satan came to eve and the it's it's almost like he gave off the impression like hey i have your best interest in mind yeah and we have the perspective and looking at that story to mm-hmm. look at her and go like, oh, what are you doing? You idiot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but we fall for it. Yeah, that's right. right. Exactly. exactly. It's the same yeah. thing. It's the same yeah. strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that we see that in this, the world and even in my own life for so long, I saw, okay, whatever the world has to offer, like that's the good stuff. That's the freedom, you know, but really that's the change. That's the bondage. But, you know, anything that the Bible asks, anything God asks me to do is really for my good, and it's an invitation to be brought back to that design that he's called me to, and that's how I'm going to live, like, my purpose. Um, and, yeah, so I think it's that perspective shift that we have to have in our brains. That And I'm telling you, it only comes from time in God's Word. I want to take right. one minute and say this. Years and years ago, our pastor challenged us to read the Bible through in a year, and so I'm like... I, I can take a challenge, you know, so I'm like, I'll do it, and it took me a little over a year, and some days I literally was just checking it off, and then I finished that year, and the next year I'm like, you know, I'm going to try it again. Probably after three years of doing that, he develops, he gave me such a love for his word that if you all have seen how much God has changed me through that, I mean, he has transformed my life through his word, so if I could beg you, urge you, challenge you, plead with you, double dog dare you to do it. She brought out the double dog. I'm double dog and (laughs) daring you. Do it. Do it as long as it takes for him to give you a love for it and find me and tell me you're not changed. I don't think you'll be able to. I know you won't be able to because if he can change me through it, man, he can do some miraculous stuff through his word. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Like I, so I took that same challenge. Um, was maybe 2017 I decided that I was gonna do the Bible in a year and and for some of you guys like that might sound very daunting and you're like this is this is thick like I don't even like my textbooks um it it is more entertaining than your textbooks I can tell you that much uh but it is I I want to to tell you if you're interested in taking that challenge the way that I did it because I'm I'm telling you it totally transformed my life too and it's really you're so right it's only through time and God's word that you can get to the place that you realize that like his plans he's never he god will never call us to anything that is not the single best option for our life like how and it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy no it doesn't no. mean you'll even love it but right you're, you know right after you've spent that much time with him yeah. you know yes it's, it's okay it's only it. through time in his word um, and, and so that, that challenge, if you guys, um, you know, you might hear that and go, that's not for me. Um, I don't even understand, you know, I've been doing like the magic finger thing and like, oh, the maps, great. Um, <laughs> is what it turns to. Um, there are these things, uh, they're called one-year chronological Bibles. And um, really, really cool um, tool. Basically what um, the, 
not the author, the editor, I guess, of, the, uh, of these books have done, is they've rearranged the Bible into chronological order. Um, fun fact, the Bible is not written in chronological order, so mm-hmm. if you're ever confused reading it, that might be why, because you're like, eh, it's written, it's just... It's arranged in chronological order in, uh, in these books, and it's cool because it reads like a narrative. It reads like a story. And um, if you've never taken that challenge, um, I would so challenge you guys uh, to, starting in January, get one of those one-year chronological Bibles and uh, spend some time. It, will, it charts it out. It tells you every single, yeah. um, every single day, yeah. like how many chapters to read, and it, and it paces you through it perfectly. It's so, so cool. So I would strongly encourage you guys to take And don't that even down. stop if you get behind. Just keep plowing through. Yeah. If it takes you more than a year, but I'm telling you, Second, I think well, I had Rob look this up on the way up here. I think it's Second Timothy three sixteen yeah. talks about. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I, I know it. I've yeah. experienced it. It does it. It 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 teaches you doctrine. It's it corrects you. It yeah. reproves. I mean, I, I wake up at four thirty every morning because I started a new job. Ooh. But I cannot because I cannot do without right, it. Right. So right. If I have to get up at four thirty yeah. to do it before I go, so be it. Because it is life to me. Yeah. And, and, I'll and, shut up. and I think no, I, it's so good. Like. It, to me, it's no coincidence that our conversation came here as we talk about women's design, um, because it does. It feels like I, I know um, I don't I, I don't think that I even have the perspective to be able like I'm not in y'all's shoes, but I know it feels like we're you're being called to something that is not desirable. But every single thing in this book is desirable. Like there's not a command in it. That is not the ultimate best command for your life. And so as we talk about uh, God's design for you, ladies, it has to, this is the foundation. And, uh, you know, we can give you these little practical tips and tools today. But uh, at, at the end of the day, if this is not your foundation, if you do not have a relationship with God, then you're missing a foundational piece uh, of what it looks like to be a godly woman. And so uh, I, I really feel like I'll, I'll give you guys, if you have anything else, we'll, we'll close it out. But I think that's a great place to end. Is there anything else that y'all would add to, to what we talked about? Any last words? I would say, you beautiful, wonderful young people, to focus on guys. If you want a godly woman, be a godly man. Start now. And women, if you want a godly man, be a godly woman. I mean, do it. Do what it takes to do what it takes. Do the spiritual disciplines it takes to let God turn you into who he wants you to be because he will use you mightily. Yeah, that's good. Well, hey, let me, uh, let me pray for us, and uh, the band is going to come back out, and we're going to worship together again. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you, and uh, Lord, we are so grateful for the chance, God, to um, just get to sit and talk about your word. Uh, Father, to get to uh, stop and hear a little bit more about your design for your people. Lord, I pray tonight uh, for the ladies in the room, Father, that they would take steps towards being a godly woman, that every every step in the direction of you feels like a step in the, uh, in the opposite direction of the way that the world is going. And Lord, it's probably true, but I pray uh, that they would find comfort in your words like we talked about tonight, that they would know that uh, it is only through the, the concepts that are in your word uh, that they will experience life and life to the fullest like we read in John 10, 10. Lord, I pray that that is what they would experience. And so, Lord, I pray um, over our young ladies that uh, you would give them courage, that you would give them strength to walk in that direction. And I pray uh, that our men would be good leaders uh, of those ladies uh, one day, that they would 
uh, that they would make the job uh, of helping and serving that much easier because they walk in a way that is pleasing to you. God, we're so grateful to be able to stop and talk about um, your design for us, and I pray that uh, we would apply these things to our life and live different because of it. We love you. It's in your name we pray.